and we're live. We are live. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Yep, yep, Happy yep. Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday. Oh my God. Oops, oops. I thought I, I thought I muted that. Sorry. We were talking. Oh my goodness. We were talking. So it, they were talking to me. We were talking to me. We were hopping and bopping, and then we're still we hopping and bopping. We're cro- crocodile rocking. Crocodile rocking. Nope. All momentum is gone. Mm-hmm. We'll try again next week, folks. Okay. Cool. So, Peace yeah. out. Hang on. Where's that? Where's that uh, end stream? Click. And scene. Shame. Dang shame. Bye, Troy. Well, well, this is all. This is all just embarrassing. Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach and the hosts joining me this evening are Troy Sandlin and John Christian. Heidi ho neighbors. <laughs> how, how do I how do I how do I follow up with that? <laughs> you you supposed to say Heidi ho. Heidi ho. Hi everybody. Or something like really No, Heidi <laughs> Heidi Heidi ho neighbor from are from, we still doing this? From Wilson. we're still doing, we're, we're still wrecking it's, this. It's, it's, this opening, hello, Troy. I it's was like, fine. This is the shtick now. This is that's fine. That's fine. It's part of our gimmick. You boned yeah. it. I was doing the the Wilson from uh, <laughs> Home Improvement. That was Heidi Ho, neighbor. You know, it's what he says to Tim all the time. Unprovoked, completely unprovoked. Unprovoked. <laughs> he just introduced us and said, "Hi, guys," and so I said. You know what? I'll do the Ned Flanders next time. How about that? There you go. Hey, Diddle Rooney, everybody, or something like that. Okay, just for you. Well, why are you going to do it next time? You just did it. Yeah. Well, then you know what? Cold open, or something. Yeah, I don't. It's know. already opened. Unless you're gonna, <laughs> unless you're gonna make Zach redo the whole intro right? again, like we did last time. Good call. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. We'll have to come up with something else then. I'm sure. Instead. This is what I deal with now. Uh, this is <laughs> this what is I live your, with. This is everybody. Your, hey, if you signed up for this. Yeah, you signed in for it. Yeah. You invited us. <laughs> That's you got nobody to blame uh, for yourself. Troy true. invited himself. Let's be clear. <laughs> Somebody had to. <laughs> I, uh, I kept checking the mailbox looking for my invitation, and it wasn't coming. So fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Oh my gosh! All right. Well, hey, let's do this. We got some news to talk about. We got a good episode in store for you this week. Mm. Uh, I think uh, we, you know, we always record our topics first, our main topics, and oh my gosh, this was a fun one to to uh record so i think you're gonna get a good yeah. kick out of it um oh, yeah. i know our live audience did here on twitch so um i'm i'm hopeful that you will um and then we've got a bunch of new stuff to to smack on to the start of it uh right now yeah um we always eat our dessert first here on the podcast and so today we've got a host of let's see how many news articles do we have here it's a lot that's not too bad. It's, yeah, it's, it's one, two, three, four, five, five. Yeah, five's good. Yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah. It's not as bad as when I showed up. When I showed up with five, all by myself. Fair enough. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. you know what? So we've got a good list here. I think we got four Kickstarters um, that we really like, mm-hmm. and then we got a TV show which we had uh, kind of hyped on the live stream on Sunday. Um, let's start with the Kickstarters though. We'll end with the TV show. Um. 
I guess we'll just go down the order here. Um, Knights or Knight of the Sun, K-N-I-G-H-T, Knight of the Sun. Um, is something I'll talk about? Did it, either of you check that out? I did. Yes. I, I, uh, I looked yep. at it real quick. Yeah. So I'm I'm hopeful that this sucker. It looks like it'll probably fund. Um, it's got a little ways to go, but they're not asking for much. Two thousand. Um, it's an adventure. Um, it's an adventure for 5e, but woven with OSR sensibilities. It's for three to six characters of level two to four. Um, it's got a great art piece on the for the cover. I think like yes, think very cool. Like a knight set in stone, right? Mm-hmm. With like uh, like gold embellishments. Um, I like it. Um, the cool thing about this, first and foremost, you can get it for fifteen bucks. I think that's a reasonable deal. It's one hundred and thirty pages. Um, I think, I think it should be cool. Here's the thing that I like about it. And first and foremost, they knew what they had, which I like. Um, their headers actually like communicated the information that I want to hear. First and foremost, 5e fantasy adventure set on hard mode. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. Like mm. right on. That's telling me what you're doing. That's different. Secondly, uh, next header, choose a side. You can run this through as the good guys or as the bad guys as part oh, of a cult cool. of Orcus. And I think that is a cool idea. Um, and a great spot for your eel rigger. That's right. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Um, then they're also giving podcast walkthroughs to help the DM know how to run the adventure. That's a great idea. Um, they're doing this is this print run will be a Special edition. You won't be able to get uh, this specific product in this specific format again. Um, I just think this is a cool one. Um, well, if I can't, let me let me say this. The one thing that stood out to me out of yeah. all of that, right, and in, in the headers, is the idea of an, a an auxiliary component to the adventure that is a walkthrough of the adventure. I like right. that. Some of us have a hard time like sitting down and reading 15, 20, 30 pages or whatever it is, right? Um, we, just, we don't have the time or we've got the extra time in the car to and from work or, you know, grocery shopping, errands and things like that. So having a, a like a, an, an, an audible um, yep. walkthrough is a really great idea. Um, yep. that's, a, that's a huge selling point for me because if nothing else... I'll pay the fifteen bucks because I want to support small crea- uh, the uh, the uh, creators and, and small businesses. But I'm already I'm already liking the premise for it. But now I don't have to invest a bunch of like mm-hmm. sit down and uh, like noodly bits and uh, scribble notes and things like that about the adventure. They they're going to give me the highlights uh, in the mm-hmm. in podcast form. I love that. Absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah. want to see more of it actually. Oh yeah, It'd be great. From, from other is, creators. And this is a beginning. This is not just a one and done. Right. This is the first part uh, of a uh, multi-part series. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I uh, f- f- Gosh, 15 bucks is hard to say no. Um, it's delivering in August. I don't know why this isn't launching, isn't isn't more successful than it is. Um, $771 of a $2,000 goal. Um, I think it should be at 2000 It's been up for a day, so I think it should already be at 2000 and we can help it get there. 
Um, and if you're listening to this, you should just hop on over and throw some money their way. I think it's going to be yeah. yeah I, worth I know the that we kind investment. of we beat to. the drum too about artwork, how things look, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To your point, it's great cover art. But I mean, one of the things that I really enjoy about about the art inside of a book is the, like the cohesiveness of the art mm-hmm. and how it all mm-hmm. meshes together instead mm-hmm. of being from disparate artists with different styles and it kind of yep. like it jars you and pulls you out of the the uh, kind of like the, the design of the the product mm-hmm. um they did a really great job if it's not all the same artist which i think most of the images that i'm seeing here are all signed by the same artist or if they're not then they are very well curated yes to mm-hmm. to provide a good vibe an overall vibe for it too which i, I really appreciate it. you can tell that whoever put this together um this was a labor of love for, for them for sure, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a very cool style too. I love the, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of it's kind of washed out, but with the the bright white, how it pops. I, it's mm-hmm. it's a really cool. It reminds me of an old school, uh, you know, zero edition Beck Me adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good that find, was Zach. good fun. Yeah, thank you. That's very Night good. of the Sun. K-N-I-G-H-T, Night of the Sun, on Kickstarter. Um, 31 days to go as of this recording. And Next. it is officially backed by yours truly. Way, so right on. Perfect. Uh, next we have a couple from Troy. Go ahead yeah. and run us through those. All right. Uh, this one, uh, and sorry, but both of these just kind of came across my, mm-hmm. my notice uh, today. Um, this one is not yet live. Grio's Guide to the Wildlands, and and the thing that that piqued me about this is, uh, it's a f- a supplement for fifth edition filled with challenges and hazards for wilderness environments. Transform travel into adventure, mm-hmm. and that's something I think a lot of DMs struggle with: is mm-hmm. how do you make travel fun? As a matter of fact, um, I'm going to give a shout out to a, a friend of ours, uh, GM Tim. Hey, GM Tim. If you're listening, yeah, all right. uh, we were talking to him a couple days ago, and he mentioned a podcast, Hook and Chance. I mm-hmm. guess there are some friends of his up in Canada, and I, I'd, not, I'd not uh, come across his podcast before, and he spoke very highly of them, and so I decided, you know what, I'm going to give him a listen. I have not yet been disappointed. I've listened to a couple episodes already. I'm digging it, uh, mm. and one of them that I listened to, How to Make Travel Fun. What do you do with it? Because there's so many different ways to do it. And mm-hmm. a lot of times I do the old Indiana Jones travel montage of, mm-hmm. well, you're here now, dot, 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 cross the map. There you are. Because <laughs> right. I don't want to deal with it. Mm. Always looking for cool things to do with travel to make it a bit more, you know, give it some teeth, have, have it be some fun. Because it doesn't always mm-hmm. have to be, you know, you hop on the train or you hop in the plane and a trail of red dots later you arrive at your destination. So I'm uh I'm very curious about this. Again, it's uh, it's coming soon, trademark. Not sure when it goes live. The what I'm guessing is the cover artwork that you can see. I like it. It looks almost like uh Doctor Strange is having a rough day. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, 200 200 plus pages of wilderness-based hazards, skill challenges, character backgrounds, story hooks, new skill proficiencies, monsters, and more, so hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll that'll uh, pop out and uh, tr- attract some of you, get you some uh, wild lands goodness for your game. Heck yeah! 
yep, I'm looking forward to that one, following that. Uh, what else you got, Troy? I have got Prophecy of the Nine Omens by Midnight Tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name alone is just, mm, I like it. It's, uh, it's five adventures um, for Ooh. 5e. Uh, it's going to be about 160 pages. If all the stretch goals are unlocked, uh, soft cover, hard cover, digital format, they're designed for levels 10 to 12 ish, but you can scale them out, and there's guidance for that, uh, to suit A levels 1 to 20. Oh, this is Midnight Tower. I just, I just said that. I know you did. I it just like hit me. <laughs> That's the one that did. Um, I just woke up. Hang on. The Edgar Allan Poe books yeah remember that yeah i got those yeah that's this okay all right carry on sorry my apologies i just (laughs) it's like is there an echo i know you just said it yeah (laughs) Uh, the brave adventurer's guide will contain new monsters magical items spells and more and whatever stretch goals they unlock yeah the uh midnight tower brought rise of the ice dragons trilogy what happened to evie ashwood and before the stroke of midnight which I do have a need to dive into. Uh, mm-hmm. The prophecy of nine omens has foretold that three legendary orb stones will cause death and destruction throughout eastern faraway. The orb stones mm-hmm. must be destroyed to avert the prophecy and stop the cataclysm. You have mm-hmm. to cunningly steal the orbs from a heavily protected vault and transport them across the sea to the secret location of the sunken city of Sirenholm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just, that's kind of getting my juices flowing already. You know, it, it, it sounds like a fun epic adventure to go on. Um, the artwork look, looks really good. Um, you get NPCs, magic items, full-color illustrations, lots of lore, and, especially right now, a VTT pack. That's mm-hmm. awesome. You're getting tokens, maps, handouts, all that good stuff so that uh, you can run from the comfort of your own home with all your friends from around the world. Beautimous. In the, the oh. yeah again beating the art drum it looks good mm-hmm. it's got a nice clean look to it kind of, almost kind of pastel-y in places mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm it. I like it very cool all right John round us out with a Kickstarter then we'll move on to something else yeah you got it uh, so for me uh, I've actually been watching this one for a while to see what would come of it. And uh, it came, it, the news of it came from an odd location, or not odd necessarily, it, it was unspe- unexpected. So I follow Larry Elmore on, in social media, and a couple of weeks back, he mentioned that he was working on a commission for a publication, which got me super excited about Dragonlance. Uh, I was disappointed that it wasn't Dragonlance, but what it was instead is an alternative cover for modern 5e by Buck, uh, Juxta, uh, Juxta Games is the production studio that's uh, doing that. That's a tough one to say too fast. Uh, so modern 5e is, if you'll remember the old silver covered, uh, like mm-hmm. it was a uh, Spycraft, uh, mm-hmm. that was like a 5e, or me, back in third edition, right? Whenever yep. the, the D20 OGL came out originally. Yes. So uh, what it looks like they're doing is they're taking the classic, OGL classes, advanced classes, and they're redesigning these things for 5e using the SRD rules. Um, modern feats and proficiencies, modern tools and gear, armor, weapons, new equipment. They've got a really good like a side-by-side comparison on, in their Kickstarter campaign for core the core elements of the game and how they compare between 5th edition D&D 
versus uh, modern 5e, right? So things like instead of sub races that you would get in 5e, they've got cultures, they've got races and abilities. Uh, instead of archetypes, they'd have advanced classes. But the, some of the extra stuff they've got in here is things like ammunition properties, armor properties, armor versus damage types. So it looks like some resistance based on the armor that you're wearing, uh, limitations and weaknesses, gear properties, tool properties, uh, zero G combat vacuum rules. That's nice, right? Kind of exciting. Um, so, and then like a fa- like a faction stat block for yeah. for the different for the different factions that are out there. Uh, the I mean it looks good. Uh, it lo- they they're hearkening back to the the classic. Like I said, the silver, uh, silver book style that the that the D twenty the uh, when it was D twenty modern uh, back uh, like almost two decades ago now. God help me. Um, <laughs> they've got a couple of uh, leather bound versions of it, and then the Larry Elmore version is uh, edition is signed, and it's an alter which uh, is an alternate uh, cover art. The only thing is they they have a, a pledge goal of 46,000 for this thing to get off the ground. I don't see it happening. Based on the momentum that they've got right now, which doesn't seem like much. I don't know if maybe they're it's a marketing thing, if there's so, a lack of interest. What do you think? Let Zach? me ask you this. Well, let me ask uh-huh. you this. So, basically they've got Larry Elmore's name plastered everywhere, mm-hmm. but everywhere there's no artwork on the book and it just mm-hmm. says Cover art not ready to show up. So my question is, I think that that could that could and should be a huge selling point, right? Mm-hmm. Like even it drew your gaze, right? Yeah. Um, so why not wait? Why not wait? Um, well, I wonder if they're know. if the the money that they're raising through this is to t- to take care of that art piece or art and pieces maybe, like it, right? Maybe so. Maybe, but but um, that it would be my one baked. thing is like, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't like like we actually we were just talking about this internally with a with a Kickstarter crew that I'm helping out. And I said the Kickstarter audience is becoming very savvy, right? Mm-hmm. And they can start to tell when a project has put in its time and when it hasn't or mm-hmm. money, right? And so my guess would be that the fact that they talk a lot about Larry Elmore, but don't have any Larry Elmore is probably to their detriment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might have been better to say, like, let's just hype it and get a cool looking cover and not have a placeholder text. And if we are successful, then we'll surprise everybody halfway through the campaign with Larry Elmore is going to do an alternate, you know, an alternate cover. Yeah. Right? And that would shoot it over the top. And- yeah. Something else, if you're if you're not going to have artwork by Larry Elmore, at least have Larry Elmore on your campaign page somewhere. Mm. Or well, the if, pictures if, if or you're not, yeah. or, or an actual the actual cover art, right? That's yeah. a, to your point, Zach. That if you don't have the alter the alternate cover art that Elmore's going to have, you should have the main whatever it's actually art. going to end up, the main cover art should at least be out there and available for you yeah. to be able to see. Yeah. So. so what to we're me, seeing, the, the silhouette of the, of the soldier, the you don't think that's I don't think, that, yeah, I don't think that's it okay. at all. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a placeholder. Which it's odd because two of the three people named in their credits are artists, Larry Elmore and John Gibbs. Is that who it is? Mm-hmm. And Gibbons? Um, Gibbons, yeah. So like they obviously have the artists on hand. They just didn't get a cover done. 
Um, to me covers what sells a Kickstarter almost always. Like that's the thing that, that banner image that you see when you're scrolling through is what draws people in. And it's not a cool thing to have, you know, we'll, we'll get you a cool cover soon. Um, yeah. So. I mean, at least on paper or at least, you know, kind of the, the high points that they're, pro- they're pro- promoting are it's cool. Right. I'd, yeah, I'd like to see yeah. a, a, a 5e mechanic well, a, for, for modern, a sweet, right? There's a sweet image in there. It's by this John Gibbons of like this, gal that is like dropping out of a helicopter and you have like yes. the undercarriage of a helicopter mm-hmm. like in the screen and then she's kind of dropping down with the pistol i'm like just throw that on your cover mm-hmm. modern 5e and say you know we'll update the cover later but this is the placeholder and i think you would have i think we'd you know they they probably wouldn't they, maybe it wouldn't be funded but i bet you they'd have ten thousand instead of five right now so right well, and it, there's a couple of other things that are interesting about this too. Is that as they create the core rulebook for Modern Five E, they're also going to create a, a an M Five E SRD that can be used as a find a foundation for future accessories and for third party projects. So that if they were to put the core rulebook out, and it actually worked out, and people attached to it, then they could use the mechanic themselves for for their own. Their own accessories, uh, so much like and, you know the, the the spy craft and the exactly. Uh, yeah. I don't even remember the other. They had a, they had a, like a modern horror. Mm-hmm. Well, they horror. yeah they even had like a yeah they had uh, they've got modern future. They're like what is it? A fantasy races, monsters, uh, magic and spells, psionics, martial arts and mysticism, superheroes and powers. Alien. They've got like a long list of things that they'd like to do. I just it seems really pie in the sky to me. You know, yeah. at, the, yeah. at this point, that's one yeah. of that maybe like to your point, Zach. People are pretty savvy, and then kind of pick up on that. Maybe that's well, why it, it's gonna. Yeah. Gonna... Well, I was just gonna say, like, I think I think what we can say is, I think that this particular run of this campaign is gonna fail mm. pretty quickly. Um, what? But that that is not the end. Um, so po- on a positive note. Um, which we could we could kind of move on with like kickstarters fail all the time mm-hmm. and kickstarters succeed later all the time it's it's not indicative about the the likelihood of this project going to print at all for it to fail out the get-go they can come back with some good art i think the text that they have presenting their project is great they just need the visuals to pop I think mm-hmm. if they could do that, I think we're I think we're set. So I look forward to seeing hopefully a relaunch of this campaign probably in the next few months or hopefully within would, a year. I would love that because uh, this yeah. kind of this kind of speaks to me because I you know I was a big you know D twenty fan yeah. and loved all the offshoots um, yeah. that came from it D twenty modern all that stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm really I'm jazzed about it. I really hope it I hope it does succeed. I. You know, I'm not going to say one way or the other at this point how I feel about it. I just, I just hope it does at some point. I'm still mm-hmm. waiting for them to relaunch. You know, Nazi Dracula must die because <laughs> I want to. I want to punch Nazi Dracula in the face. That's right. So, anything else you wanted to go on on that, John? Nope, that's it. That covers okay. it. Perfect. All right. Well, let's do the last bit here. Um, Troy, I know you and I are in the same wavelength about this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we, you and I have started a show. I'm not halfway through it. Um, I, I would bet that half our listeners could probably guess 
what show we're going to oh, talk yeah. about. Well, we're going to talk about Shadow and Bone for a half minute here. John, have you checked it out at all on Netflix? I've yeah, I've seen the trailer. I've seen. Um, I've heard about it. I don't. I haven't watched it yet, though. I, I, mm-hmm. It's in my queue, and I plan on watching it at this point. But I haven't actually watched it yet. Troy, you and I have the same reason for checking it out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Everon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everon. Yeah. Yeah. There's. Oh yeah. The 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 trailer tells us that there is this wall cloud of darkness that separates one territory from another and that those that step into this darkness rarely come out. Yeah. And then magic and monsters fantasy setting. Right. And by golly, if it isn't very reminiscent of Eberron. Oh yeah. It it is so, it, it just drips with Eberron goodness. Yeah, I, it, it's not like like to be clear for listeners. First off, Shadow and Bone is like I guess like a YA novel yeah. series, and it has a lot of those trappings still on it. It's not Eberron whatsoever, but it feels enough like it that if you squint, you feel like you're watching an Eberron TV show. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, the, the the first time that you see. And they they call the wall and the territory that is shrouded by this cloud the fold. Mm-hmm. And the first time you see their representation of the fold, it's like you're like, oh, that's, that's oh, that's, that's the, the morning. That's the morning right there. And it, the sound that it makes, it just it just has that oppressive. Yep, it's alive. Oh yeah, it's it's yeah. it's pretty cool. There's some really cool like machines and different things that they've kind of conceived of for this world too that I think fit in well with Eberron. Um, I, we don't need to go into a lot. It's a brand new show. I don't want to spoil anything for folks. Um, so what I would say about it, Troy, and then you can kind of fill the gaps, but I, I would say that like, I'm going to give the show like halfway through, maybe like a C plus B minus. Okay. Like I don't watch a lot of TV anymore. This show has a lot of problems with its storytelling and with its, um, with its priorities, we'll put it that way. Um, but it may be its sensibilities. Is that what you're? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so so it it's not going to earn a high letter grade for me. But there are parts of it that are really interesting. They're keeping me all the way through, and it's only eight episodes. So I'll I'll finish it, and we'll see from there. But right now, I would say that if you're a Eberron fan, there's probably enough juice here to get you through it. Yeah. Yeah, if if nothing else, and like I'm only one episode in, I'm digging it so far. I'm have my my problem with TV shows like this is you know it's it's so similar to Eberron. I'm trying to force mm-hmm. what, I, what I know about it onto the show, so I'm getting a little like oh, that's not okay. <laughs> I need I need to know what the heck's going on, and I don't want to wait four episodes to get the backstory of what happened. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait four episodes. We'll, I'll leave it at that, but you don't have to wait okay. four episodes. But it, it, visually, it's, it's pretty cool. It looks good. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I've seen any actors that I'm familiar with. Yeah, not really. Yeah, it's Which, a, that's not a bad thing. It should, no, you know, but, good production uh, values in general. Great production say. values, yeah. Yeah. And the acting is, is what you would expect from a show like this. It's, you know, sometimes it's a little over the top. Sometimes it's a little campy. 
I kind of, you know, like if you like a superhero show on like the CW or something like that's that, exactly. I think that's about the level of storytelling and acting and um, production values that you're going to If you get. liked Arrow or Flash on the CW, yeah, definitely give this a shot because it is cool. So yeah. I'm going to take it off my list now. It Thanks, is. Appreciate well, it. Well, hey, listen, this what? is, I mean, here's the thing, right? I'm not telling you it's going to be great, right? Mm-hmm. I gave it a C plus that range, right? right. I'm not saying you're gonna walk away being like, "Wow, I am, I am, I am blown away." I think though that if you're like, "Man, are we ever gonna get Ebron?" The answer is no, but this might be as close as you get, right? Mm. And if nothing this else, I mean, even if it's just an absolute crap fest, I'm sure there's something in in this show. There in is eight episodes that I can mine. I can't wait, Troy, till you get to like episode three. Okay. Hey. There's are you guys going to like share your Netflix checks with me? Because, I mean, yeah, you guys are peddling. <laughs> it's super mediocre, but it's Ebrony. Is like, oh, yeah, kind of all. exactly, exactly. Dude, That's all sir, I'm getting come out on, of it. come on now. If if there I will was watch, sh- I will watch the first episode at the very it, least. All right, Mister, I hate Mandalorian. Whatever. I don't. If, if uh, there was a, if there was a show out there, that is not what I said. But go if ahead. there was a show out there. The mm-hmm. even remotely smacked of Dragonlance. Uh-huh. It was called the Dragonlance cartoon, and it was terrible. No, 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 no. I'm talking about no. it's not Dragonlance, but there's Something enough like to it. It's like, oh, man, this makes me feel like I, I could be watching Dragonlance light. You would be all over it. You would be like, <laughs> I'm watching this show. Yeah, let's do a parade. That is a hell of an. Uh, that's like that's ex- that's me. That's a, that's the exact same thing that I would do if that if that were to happen. So well done. You, every time, what, every time you say Dragon Lance, John like that, clutches a trombone. Like yeah, it, <laughs> it, it just cradles <laughs> it. Like <laughs> yeah, see yeah, that's, that's see. It. There it is, right there. Yeah. Yeah, Proof. Yeah, yeah. No, I look, look. I'll, I'll try it. I'll I'll give it a. I'll give I, it a look. I don't. Think I that wa- you look. Should. I watched the. I watched both of the. I watched the Dragon, the uh, Dungeons and Dragons terrible movie with Jeremy Irons, and I watched the two terrible sequels. And I mean, just because you know, at least it's there. So I'm, it's not like I'm, I'm. I'm just like I'm. All I'm ta- saying is like, if we're if we're pitching this to the audience, I don't know anybody else it. out there that's like, man, I can't wait to watch that show. <laughs> I, I, I'm. Oh boy. Yeah, I don't know it's, that I don't yeah. I don't know that I came in tonight wanting to encourage people to watch it. I think I wanted to Fair come enough. in tonight talking up to talk about okay. it. Fair enough. To look cuz um if you're I thinking about if you if you think you're going to want going to watch it, brace yourself for the mediocre is what you is what it yeah. sounds like you're saying. Yeah. Okay, cool. Hope, so, well, that's uh, yeah. setting good expectations. That's that is a that's a public yeah. service. This, I'll allow yeah. it. This show yeah. is perfect for throw it on while you're painting miniatures or something like that. Yes. You know, yes. if it if it draws you in and you watch the show, awesome. If it's just enough to, to kind of keep you in the painting vibe and you can look over and, and see a cool monster or a weird machine or something like that every once in a while to keep your juices flowing, awesome. Yeah. Um, cool. So however, however you want to take it. But I, I'm enjoying it. Like I said, I'm only, only one episode in. I'm easily amused. Well, I mean, the the pitch has turned from mediocre to really decent white noise in the background. So <laughs> I can't wait to watch it. Well, <laughs> what do you want from this, John? I don't want anything at all. You I, keep, don't want anything, I don't. You're Mr. being so critical. 
why are you being such a tromboner? You're a tromboner. <laughs> Your face is a tromboner. Shut up, stupid face. <laughs> this is this is the level of smack this talk. This is what happens. Right? This is the level of smack talk we have oh, on Bite Size Gaming. That is, man. I, I, I want to talk. I, I want to talk uh, for a moment to draw yes, you two together uh, about <laughs> virtual D and D weekends that are yes. coming up. May May weekend of May eighth and ninth. Is that right? Seventh eighth yep. and ninth. Seventh eighth and ninth. Yep. Um, <laughs> Girk, this devolved quickly. <laughs> it, it usually does. It usually does. <laughs> Doesn't hey, it? It lasted longer than what I expected. Uh, that's true. That's true. Yes. Um, uh, virtual weekend. Carol. Virtual weekend. Seventh eighth and ninth. Yeah, uh, you both are running uh, House of Lament, the new uh, Ravenloft preview. Yeah. Um, I heard a bird. A little bird told me. That they were probably going to try to buy a ticket to both of your tables. Actually, <gasps> two different birds told me this, and I said, "This is beautiful. We will see who is the better DM by oh, by listening." I've been I've been decision. waiting for this moment. I've been waiting for this moment. Girk, you're with us in chat. Girk, who is the superior DM? Since when did this become a competition? <laughs> Listen, it's uh, always I, a competition, always man. Girk, <laughs> Girk is not allowed to vote. Uh, oh, he's Girk not. Is in too deep. He's in too deep. He's in too deep. Uh, oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, he's uh, a. <sighs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's, I'm sorry, Girk. That's like whenever mom and dad are fighting one another and they tell, they ask you who's right and who's wrong. That's not that wasn't fair. I'm sorry. That wasn't fair. Yeah. Don't worry. Uh, no, don't I'm worry, really. Girk. We'll always have ass ramps and super zombies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm actually really excited about uh, House of Lament. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. We, yeah. we we did the, the play test already. Ran through it once. I've uh, got some good notes on it. So. Uh, and I will pass some of those on to Troy, but not the really juicy good good notes, of course, because yeah. I do have to have my my secrets. Yeah. So you're yeah. scared? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, every day. That's what I like. That's why I'm sprinting that's ahead it. of you instead of. Like, <laughs> How do you think he became DM of the year for 2020? Wasn't it because he it's because he was scared. Yeah. No, I'm afraid scared, of Troy. Yeah. Troy's my motivator. Yeah, well, that's that. You're setting the bar low. Oh well. I mean, oops. Yeah, oops. <laughs> oops. It's like uh, it's, it's like the whole. I don't have to be the fastest. I just have to be faster than Troy. Is that what? Right. Is that what? Okay. That's mm-hmm. that's all it is. That's so uh, let me ask you this, Troy. What days are you running again? I'm doing uh, Saturday and Sunday. Saturday uh, and Sunday. The, the specific. What what times are they? Uh, two to seven, seven to midnight, both days. Okay, cool. Oh, it's seven to midnight. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good time frame for this one. Mm-hmm. And you're right. doing two to seven, seven to midnight on Friday, John. Is that right? I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as of this recording, uh, Friday night is sold out for my table. Ooh, so gotcha. yeah, I think Sunday night is sold out for mine already. So yeah, yeah. They're going fast. I mean, like mm-hmm. people are really excited about the Van Richten stuff coming out. This is, by the way, this is not Mist Hunters for the Adventure League uh, folks out there. This is specifically from the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a tier one adventure. That they're that we're running from the new Van Richten's guy, and it's a um, it's a streamlined version of oh yes. something for the book. So yeah. you're getting a true preview in that you can walk away from here and you could go play it at your home still game. Still have surprises, and you're going to yes. get so much, right? Mm-hmm. So much. Yeah. What I, I I think it's fair to tell people that you are taking a twelve hour 
adventure and mm-hmm. condensing it down to a four hour slot. So there's there's a lot more to explore um, at your home table afterwards, but this will give you a really good taste, I think. Yeah, yeah and if you know what? A though? Twelve hour adventure, smashing it into a four hour slot doesn't scare you. It should. It yeah. should. Uh, you know what? The best part about this, though, on a serious note, uh, this time around, the the a portion of the proceeds of every ticket uh, ticket that is sold is going to Jas- Jasper's Game Day. Yep. So mm-hmm. really, really excited about for this for this in particular. So mm-hmm. uh, if you're out there and you want to support it. That's a it's a, yet another way of supporting a really phenomenal charity. Yeah, Jasper's yeah. is an awesome, awesome charity. Uh, Fenway and Adam are just amazing people in what yeah. they do. Um, go to go to Jasper's Game Day. Uh, I believe it's just Jasper's Game Day dot com. I'm I believe. Grab a mm-hmm. T shirt too. You know they they've got all kinds of stuff on there that you can grab a hold of and, and show your support. Get get your. Uh, Get your T-shirt or your wormwood uh, dice tray or wormwood, wormwood, Cool, awesome. Well, hey, um, I think that that is all the news that we had for today. So let's, uh, as Troy would say, let's refill our drinks, um, right. and we'll be back in a few minutes with the uh, with the main topic. That's right. Brace yourselves. And we're back, getting ready to dive into the uh, the main course of our episode tonight. We're gonna finish up our dungeon talk. Troy is <laughs> if Troy can recover. Um, jeez, no, I'm dead. stuck in the dungeon. Yes, <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk about dungeons. Finish that up. Uh, I think some of us still have some practical tips and tricks, things that we've done at our table, things that we would recommend uh, that you try at yours to bring dungeons in their fullest potential into 5e. Um, I don't know how long of an episode we're going to have this time, but I have a feel I've got a stack of resources here that I would like to at least throw folks direction. Um, and I know John had some notes, so we'll see how far we get into this, but it's always longer than we think. And, and, mm-hmm. I've been thinking about it, and I've come up with uh, a, a couple a couple things that uh, I'd like to get out there. Maybe clarify a little bit as well. Beautimus. So can well, we do this first? Can we kind of like, can we hone in on when we say dungeon? Because the last topic was pretty, pretty broad yes. last time, right? Like, Troy, to your point, you can make anything a dungeon, right? Wide open pastoral spaces... Grand Canyon, whatever. Anything can be a dungeon. It's just essentially where the plot's going to end up. It's almost like the set dressing, right? Whereas for me, I kind of, I define it a little bit differently for myself in my own mind, which is it is a self-contained space that is to be explored, researched, cleared, uh, or if there's a MacGuffin inside of it that needs to be acquired, right? The classic, it's not gritted. a Gygaxian, yeah. Well, I wouldn't even say gridded necessarily, but it's somewhere really? either inside or underground. Yeah, I mean, uh, mappable. This, mappable. This feels like a conversation I'm, we should have had an episode ago. If probably. we're going to disagree, like Troy says, a dungeon is our world is a dungeon. The world mm-hmm. is your dungeon. John says any contained space is your dungeon. I I feel very strongly that a grid is necessary for a dungeon. Ooh, really? Well, see, but the thing is, though, then that takes out the entire concept of the theater of the mind, and I think that. 
if you have a to me like if you have a smaller dungeon, right? I agree. Then you don't need a grid for that at all. I think you're missing the whole point. I think you missed the wow. whole point. Yes, it's, I don't it, think that. Uh, okay, listen, I'm gonna, fired. I'm gonna carry on. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my finger down, or and my foot, and say that you can't run a true theater of the mind dungeon unless you have super super invested players okay. that are gonna map okay. out their own thing. Yes, you. Yes, the DM can run a purely theater of the mind dungeon if they have their map. That they can see, yes, yes, and yes, the yes, players yes, 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 are yes. mapping one hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's yep, I agree. But a map has to be involved. A map has to be involved because back in the day, when you know Dave and Gary would sit behind 100%. the curtain and nobody nope, could see them, right. they had their dungeon mapped, and they would just yep. say, "It goes down this far, or it turns yep. here, it turns left, it goes this way," and the players would have their grid paper, and they would have to map out. Only going by the description exactly. given. Exactly. So no, maps, I, I take that back. Yeah. Maps have to be involved. Yeah. Because because yeah. to your point, you know, like you're you're getting down and deep in that dungeon, and now it's time to get out. Are you going to do it? And you know, let's just call it what it is. If are you going to do it fifth edition style and just say, okay, now we leave. Yeah. Or back in the day, it was okay. Which way do you what go do you- to get out? I, you know what? Uh, I completely disagree. I, I strongly disagree. Ooh. I think that you, we use these days. We've always used them. I'm not saying that you, you have you have to do it one way or another. I'm saying that you could do it either way, right? I think that it's too. I think it's too black and white. Saying that you can only do it. You have to have a if map, it's a, right? if it's a small dungeon. I'm not even saying a small dungeon. It. I'm talking about an entire castle. Right, with an oubliette or a dungeon that's actually underneath the castle or anything like that. What I'm saying is, think about it like just this. because you use big words does not mean that your point is any more valid, John. <laughs> oubliette, <laughs> oubliette. But it oubliette. was the movie Labyrinth. It was. It was. Thank you. That's uh, a type no, no, of ooze, it, right? It is. It is. Uh, and that's an oubliette. Uh, but no, no. Uh, think about it like this. Why? Let, let me let me help you with this. Then, why do we feel like we have to plod? down every corridor we have to touch every door listen to every door when we go into quote-unquote dungeon mode right instead why cannot why can it not be more cinematic where you're describing going through corridors and then you find yourself in x right and that we're just going to we're essentially hand not hand waving right but we are montaging our way to the next scene and a scene is a room room in the dungeon and the scene I can be described you're... however you want to it doesn't have to be mapped out though like I... I know that i know that in a castle there's a courtyard there's a place for the horses to go right you got privies you got bedrooms you've got kitchen areas you've got armories you've got guards that there's like plenty of places and then there's a dungeon right so why do we feel these days in particular i think it's one it's something that's kind of been ingrained in us but i'm i'm challenging i'm going to challenge that i don't think we need a a grid or be a map in order to do that i think that especially if there's a familiarity or if there's a cave complex, you know, the cave can be like just straight back. Or when you get to a certain point, if it branches out, so like it branches out. You get lost in the cave complex for a while. And then that way you don't have to plod through every single thing. As you get down, you're just like lost, right? And then whenever it's, then you can say 
you guys are lost. Well, no, we're not. All we have to do is follow the map all the way back, right? No, being in a cave is actually pretty damn confusing. If you have actually been down there and there are a couple of different places that you've gone, it all looks the same. That's why you should map it. That's why you should map it. You could map it. DM's a dick and won't let you, John. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so, Call me the dick this time. <laughs> what, what do you mean this time? Um, so when, hmm. you, when you're saying, you know, dungeon, that, that's, that, that is a good point that you brought up. And that was what I was thinking of earlier. Mm-hmm. A dungeon is a created complex of tunnels and rooms underneath another structure. Mm-hmm. Traditionally. Now, traditionally. Yeah. Are, are we also mm-hmm. saying that a dungeon is a cave complex? I think so. Yeah. I, I Okay, so, so here's where we're going to get into dangerous territory and why I'm going to stick to it has to be a map. Because if we allow ourselves to go down John's ephemeral, you know, whimsical concept of a dungeon where it's like dungeon is just a series of encounters man a dungeon is um, a bunch of feelings man it's whatever okay. you want it to be my dungeon of uh, feelings yes if that's if that's where we're going then why then then i think we can go right back to where troy was last week also wrong where he's like a dungeon can be a meadow right I don't agree. So it, it's got to be really, uh, really judgy and super combative. I am today. Yeah. You listen, wow. I came, I came ready tonight. I, I thought about it all since our last recording two weeks ago. I was like, I feel real strongly about what a dungeon, a dungeon means. So okay. Let me, let me say you, it this way. Yeah. Go ahead. I think a dungeon means something specific in Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Yes. I agree with that. Again, it can mean D&D, other yeah. things elsewhere elsewhere it might mean this place underneath a structure right that could be the literal definition of a dungeon right and in another rpg or another game a dungeon could mean a plethora of different things but i think in D, it means a specific framework traditionally yes i'll agree with you that the traditional dungeon model is one way right the underground complex of caves and and constru- constructs that are either co- combined or separate, right? Uh, I would also agree, uh, say that it does it can doesn't have to be above ground either, right? Because a dungeon can, or a below ground, excuse me, uh, it could be above ground, right? You look at like sure. Zaxaroth from uh, from the DL one yep. Dragonlance module. You had an up, an above ground complex area, and then everything led down uh, down uh, below and things like that. So I can't just say that it's underground and it be traditional of uh, traditional dungeon, right? Right. Again, like I'll use my definition, and maybe you agree with it, maybe you don't. It is a contained environment. I agree with above that. Above or below, where you explore, uh-huh. and going outside of it. accomplishes very little to nothing, right? As soon as you exit that space, you're no longer in the dungeon, right? Fair enough. And then there's something inside that you're trying to investigate, whether it's a a MacGuffin item, a person, loot, plutonium, loot, whatever it actually is. Unobtainium. Unobtainium, yeah. But that's that's the but that's we're talking purpose there, right? But it's contained, and if you go outside of it, then it's like you're that's off the you're out of the dungeon, yeah. Which yeah, really that done. totally supports my statement last week or last time was, you know, because if you go into a, into a city, that can be your dungeon. You could look at it. As, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. It is not a traditional model. It is not a traditional model at all. It is not a traditional model. Uh, but, I got one. I got one. How about this? A nightmare. 
A nightmare a can nightmare. be addiction. If you're if you're sure. if your characters sure. going are in a nightmare, right? And then you just go from flash to this to that to that to that to that. The okay. A modern a modern Dragonlance. Go ahead. A, so, a modern a modern a modern take on a dungeon. The Nostromo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. The Nostromo. From Alien. Totally a dungeon. Yeah, totally, totally, totally not, dungeon. not just above ground, but not but even like light years away from Terra. From yeah. ground, yeah, yeah. From ground. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll use a Dragonlance, or one more Dragonlance thing too, right? The Nightmare in Sylvanesti was a dungeon, right? And you just, it was like, comp it was components, modules that were kind of like mm -hmm. plugged together in order to make it, in order to make it go. The Abyss was a dungeon. Um, but there's just, there's, I think that it's hard to say that it's one specific thing, right? Unless well, like you use a really broad categorization. So I guess what we can at least move forward with is that when we move into the rest of this discussion, understand that we're coming at it from different points of view. And there are yes. some things that John and Troy are going to say that you can just throw out. Fair enough. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, hang on. But I Let's... think what I'm gathering, though, is that Zach is very well prepared to be wrong is, is what I that's that's essentially what I got. Well, was like that. That's what yeah. we need to do. We need to, you know, for this discussion, decide what is the definition that we're going to use? Because, I mean, we're not, none of us are, are are wrong in this thought process. It's just, you know, dungeons are this, dungeons are this, dungeons are this. Okay, cool. So, yes. dungeon, let's just say right now, uh, the dungeon that we're going to talk about is the self-contained, you know, corridors, rooms for from the traditional, traditional D&D concept. Perfect. Done. That man, was a good man, conversation, man, though, to be had oh, at, yeah. at the outset, I think. Uh, Person-made or naturally occurring. Uh, and by the way, if I may, Either for one. those that are listening or watching right now, I really want to hear what you think. If I'm an idiot, it's okay for you to say that I'm an idiot. You can be wrong like Zach is, too, um, <laughs> and I still love you. Or, like, is it is it Zach? Is it Troy? Is it something in between? Or do you have another definition of, of dungeon that is really important to you when you're designing things, it's something that your characters dig or that, uh, you know, that kind of fills the I don't know if I really want to do this, but, but I'm going to do it for you. Uh oh, oh boy. Uh -huh. um, I, we all have in our, in our houses right now, a, a line of hardcovers, hardcover adventures, the same line Pretty where much, we can yeah. pull them up on D and D beyond. Right. Um, I'm going to pull one. Let's just pretend like I'm pulling it random off the shelf here. Um, random. Hang on. Which one is it? I love how he's like searching for the random one. Tyranny of Ra <laughs> Dragons. Let's pull that off the shelf. Okay. Tyranny of Dragons, Sean, uh -huh. is a dungeon through and through. Uh, yeah. From start are, to finish. Well, I'm, 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 no. Are you Disagree. saying from start to finish? Start Disagree. to finish. Here we go. For, okay. So what I, what I think what we've established now is that we're never going to get to the actual topic of this. Which is fine. Which this I don't think we be, ever really see. This, so this is dungeons. Dun dungeon part one point five is effectively what this is because it's gonna have to. We're gonna have to get ready for part two. No, it is not, and here is why. If one thing in particular, one instant thing is the travel between Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter. That's is just the montage. That's, that's, a, that's a long corridor. That's just the that's just the long montage in between spaces. Yes. Yep. It is. Well, yep. but, uh, no, I wouldn't say so. There are like okay. little mini quests and things that okay. are going on so here and a there. Dungeon, uh, a dungeon huh? is the epitome of a railroad, right? Because yes. it is... Maybe. You can't, you can't yeah. riff in a dungeon. You're, you, if your player, if your characters are in 
Shut up, Gert. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Gert. <laughs> uh, honestly, I don't even know what the hell the topic was to begin with. So we're yes, dungeons. We're uh, talking about it, this right? Is, it's that's, yeah, we're right on point. We're in we the are on point. Yes. Carry um, on. Yeah. So if if your characters are in a dungeon, their player agency is all but gone. When you think about when you think about well, I don't want to find it's it's redefined because it is it is contained. It's like your list goes from I can go anywhere I want to in the world to I can go the dungeon. The world is the dungeon. I have the small. It is restricted. It is is narrow. How about that? I I don't want to say that it's gone. I don't want to say that it's a railroad though. But I mean. Well, here's why. Because whenever I design a dungeon, and now we'll actually kind of dip our toe, just one pinky, into what we were supposed to talk about in the first place. That's cool. One thing that I try to design is I try to uh, design multiple points of entry into a dungeon. Okay. A really good example of published material that's like that is The Lost Mine of Fandelver. The dungeon entrance is one way, but the direction, or like the way of getting to the bad guy, there are two ways. There's the shortcut, the... Oh crap! How did we end up here? This is bad news. We're gonna or die. You take the yeah, or you take the normal route through the dungeon to get to the thing, right? So multiple paths to get to where you need to go. That to me yeah. allows for open agency for the players. That's to a little lo- bit of agency, well, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's it's still a limited agency. And it's restricted st- and, and it's narrow. St- and there's still uh, yes. rails. There's still yes. rails everywhere. Well, lot, but, lot, they can because yes. they have to be because you. will Corridors, rooms, lefts, that's, rights. That's fair. That's fair. Completely that's agree. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at I'm looking at the Doom Vault from Dead and Thay. Uh, oh, the Portal. Like yeah. that massive, massive dungeon. It's as big as it is. There's still rails in that. There's still a northern mm. edge of this map and a southern edge of this map and everything in between. Right. Like. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I agree. Okay. So there are rails, but rails in the in the sense of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Not like Harry Potter from, you know, on their way to Hogwarts. Like one set of tracks to go down in Indiana in, in Temple of fair, Doom. You've got fair, two fair, fair, that fair. are running in parallel, and they kind of crisscross sometimes, and sometimes okay. they'll yeah, meet yeah, up, yeah. and yeah, yeah, they have yeah, the yeah. same terminus. Right. That's the thing, though. The rails that you're talking about, I think, are the terminus point, the point in the dungeon or the place where the MacGuffin is that has to be found. Discovered, destroyed, whatever. So yeah, therefore, uh, what, what adventure did you just bring up? Dead and I thing. was saying no. The other one. Had, yeah. Tiamat. Oh, uh, uh, tyranny of dragons. Tyranny of dragons. Therefore, tyranny of dragons is a dungeon. Well, then, you're t- like then every module is a I, dungeon. I feel gross. That's what I feel about this. <laughs> if this is the, this is what conclusion we're coming to. I don't want to live in this world anymore. Well, because because uh, something get, to that nature. because you <laughs> get into the adventure from greenest. You go to this point. You go to this point. You go to this point. You go to the, then you double back for some strange reason. Then you go to here, when you know really if you if you look at the map of the of the adventure as it flows around, if you get to you know if you go north from greenest about. Five ten miles and then just turn right. You're done. You're you're at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair. No. Okay. Yeah. Look, you could say that about anything. Then Pretty a much. story is a is a rail. A book that you're reading is a rail. No matter My, what you yep. do, the the words are not going to wor- move around based on your whim or your feels. It is what it is, right? Um, yep. If you want, no. What you're? I think what you're talking about that will make you like maybe where your happy place is. Zach is mm. open world play. 
where a lot of it, to me at least, is going to be, it's all improv. That's only, otherwise, if you have a story, there's you're going to have to at least put them on the track. Now, it's funny that we mentioned, now we're talking about this, because I went, I've gone back and I'm starting to listen to a lot of Matt Colville's old stuff again. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he talked about was the player's lament about being railroaded or on mm-hmm. rails, right? And his thing is like, look... Just because there's a story does not mean that you are on rails. What? That means that there's a story. Being on rails, by his definition, which I agree with, is whenever we when we start to play, you have to play it a certain way in order for oh, to get yeah, to the yeah. terminus. No, 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 no. Right? Yeah, that's not, right. that's not what I'm talking that's about. That's yeah. rail that to me is railroading. It's like there, there's only one way, the correct way to get through this dungeon in order to get to the terminus. Okay, railroading is one thing. Mm-hmm. Being on rails is something because to me it's like if you're watching Indiana Jones, the, the, it's on a it's on a rail because he gets the job, he dot 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 travels over to here, he does the thing, that clue leads him to the next point dot dot dot. There's no oh I have the clue, now I'm gonna go back I'm gonna go to Indiana. No, you've got to go back to Indiana. Yeah, I gotta go to Egypt. That's to, that's to, actually uh, the plot of the next Indiana Jones that was just announced. It's called, called Indiana. Back in Indiana. Yeah. It's all in Indiana, yeah. Raiders yeah, of the yeah. Lost yeah. Old Folks Home. <laughs> Raiders, of, <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Cornfield. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, 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 I see the difference that yeah. you're pointing out, Troy. Um, well, here, let's let's try. Let's try. Did, okay, let's yeah. try. Put us, put yeah, aside find the topic? Come Where's together. the topic? The topic is yes. Let's 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 pull it out. Um, how do we make this practical? And what did, what have we done in the past to bring a dungeon to life in Five E? We've talked about what a dungeon is. We've talked about like the idea of a dungeon and how it's changed over the editions. But now let's talk about like what did what have we found that actually works for us. In the minutia, the the session by session play to make the dungeon feel very still iconic and a, a, a desired mode of play where we have this contained space, um, but it also feels like it's a natural fit for fifth edition. And John, I know that you have some things. I'm going to notate right out the gate that you ran us through some playtest stuff, which shall not be named. Actually, we could name it because it's been announced today, right? That is correct. Yep. Um, so, yeah. John, you got to go run us through um, the House of Lament, a yep. short, uh, a, a, a streamlined version um, from the new um, Ravenloft book that's coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like. A lot of the things that we played through last night and talked about afterwards were exactly this. How do we 5 eify a dungeon? Um, and I think some of the things that we talked about, one of which being, I think, the map is a mm-hmm. big way that you can transition us out of this DM versus player mentality of earlier editions and earlier forms of play and into a more like collaborative experience is when the players have the map from the beginning and they get to kind of pick how they peruse the dungeon and it's not beholden on them to um, like keep track of and record and draw or, you know, be their own cartographer, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, okay. 
I, I, I don't, especially based on our previous conversation post play test about this, I completely agree with you in this instance. However, sure. for myself, um, there's a, to me, there's a romanticism behind the mystery of what's there. Right. And it doesn't make sense and, every time. Yeah, for sure. But, but I do agree that in some, in certain instances, it's kind of cool. Like, whoa, we've actually got a map. But here's the thing that I would do with that, though. I'd make the map a lie sometimes. Or map make the map old, right? It's an old mm. map, and things have happened. You've had seismic activity that's opened up new chasms in the or new chambers in the um, in the uh, the dungeon or whatever, right? The things have moved and shifted around a little bit, and the map that you got maybe got you about halfway there, pretty good. But the MacGuffin's not where you thought it was. The princess is in another castle, so to the speak. map is so not the territory, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm with you though. I do. I do like the idea of players being able to, even if nothing else, if they know what the layout is. Like, ooh, we have. We can. Let's think about how we want to go through this thing before we get there, and we're looking at a corridor, and we always take left. You know, mm-hmm. um, I do like that. That's. I think that's a neat. But I don't necessarily. I wouldn't say that's necessarily like a dungeon design thing. That's more of a um, a way of uh, like just another way of looking at at the dungeon itself and how you reveal it to the players. Well, it's a way of changing the play at the table, right? Because it yeah, turns yeah. from a, like, everything's a question mark until we actually are in that space and into a more of a collaborative, you know, debate-filled conversation about, like, what parts of this do we want to experience as a group and in what order? Mm-hmm. Which I think is a 5e idea, empowering the players to kind of help fuel the story. Yeah, I think being a better dungeon master, by the way, maybe I'm, you tell me if, I, if you feel the same way or not. I feel like being the, the better dungeon master is not being married to that, though, right? Like, for me, I think that it's great that my players don't know and that the mystery is important. But if I've got a table full of players that are like, that's not really what we're looking for. We do kind of want more of that. Show us at least the layout of the map first, and then we can kind mm-hmm. of figure out what's, how we want to tackle it kind of thing. I think that mm-hmm. being a little bit more flexible is important and not being uh, having like a crystallized idea of how you're going to end up running things like that and trying new things. Honestly, it's important. Mm. I know we're seeing in chat here that Girk is uh, mentions. I think this is a brilliant idea using the, um, the tomb of annihilation map of Cholt. Who, what are you laughing about? What? John's giving Tro- me the eye. Troy is trolling in He's chat. Giving me That's the what's side going eye. on. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I, <sighs> Zach, continue with your point. Thank you. I'm well, sorry. I was just going to say, like, I love the idea. He said they took the map of Cholt with the hex tiles, and some of them were revealed from the beginning, and then mm. some of them were hidden. And so you could yeah. kind of maybe pick a destination to go to, but you didn't know what all you would exactly be encountering along the way. That's a great way of doing this, right? Um, yeah. Well, I like the idea of, like, other explorers have go- come to this dungeon before and only made it so far, but they made it out with a map. Right, that's the yeah. that's the that's the pirate's treasure map. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I I recently I ran uh, at, at, the, at the beginning of the pandemic shutdown. I ran an adventure and it was a dungeon. Mm-hmm. It was in a sewer system, and they had a they had a map, but it was more like here are uh, landmarks along the way because the the idea behind this area 
was it was, you know, a city had been built eons ago, been raised to the ground, a new city was built on top of it, raised to the ground, a new city was built on top of it. So yeah. you had all of these stuff. And this map came from one of the early iterations of the city. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was like, okay, there's these certain areas down here that we know of, but there's so much stuff that's been built on top and mm -hmm. crumbled and caved in and everything else. We don't know what's going on. We don't know if it's true or not. So, John, without a, an actual map map, we went through a dungeon and it was a lot of, I had charts that I would roll on and it was like, okay, you're, you're going down this way. There's a cave in little DM note. This adds two hours, you know, that kind of thing to, to circumvent, to dig through. And then every once in a while, something would come up and it would be a side room. Oh, here's this side room that has opened mm -hmm. up and they go in and eventually they find the place that they're supposed to be at. And right, with, yeah. and if they roll horribly while they're doing it, it's, it has taken them several hours to get through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think especially like large complexes like that, that's, that's, I don't, I can't and think it, of it. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Right. When you're talking about like a city, like, Oh my God, can you imagine trying to like travel down every tunnel, every pipe, every narrow corridor, just it would be like just smash my skull in boring to, yeah. to do that yeah, you know, especially in, in the sewer yeah yeah exactly a but, literal but having kind of like slug. hey here's where we are and we want to get over here and then doing some like montage description of getting over there and then and there's an area of interest between point a and point b that you're trying to get to or an ambush or an encounter or something like that right yeah that seems to me like that's the way to do it so i hadn't really thought too too much about doing that because i've been such a traditionalist about you know, just because it's the way that I've run things about not revealing the map ahead of time. But to your point, it's like, like in my own, it's that, again, pirate map, the treasure map, right? Kind of things like somebody's already been here and here's what they've mapped out so far. And then giving the player that what that does is that like that to me enhances the mystery of, well, well what else is there? It's not a matter of what's in there, big question mark, dark, creepy crawly place. But like if there's all of this stuff here then they can kind of like project forward a little bit in like what the purpose of it was or things mm -hmm. like that too. So just what it does is it, I don't think it takes anything away. I think it just, it spins it and it makes it different, which that to me is like, it's not the same game every single time whenever you des when you design a dungeon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what, and what, what did they, they miss? miss? Exactly. What did they miss? If they see in there that there's a trap. Oh, there was a trap right here. It was a pit trap. Oh, there are traps in there. Okay. Well, then now th that affects play, right? Or if there's yeah. a secret door and we saw that there was a secret passage or something like that, was it, oh, there are secret doors in here. So we need to make sure that we're, we're looking around, right? So you kind of project mm -hmm. the kind of expectation onto the players of what they're, what they're getting themselves into with something like that. I like that. I really like that a lot. Or, or you've got the map that shows, oh, they're supposed to, you know, the layout of everything. Mm -hmm. And it's an old, old ancient map. You found it. Mm -hmm. Yes, you get to where you're supposed to start on the map to get to the X, and it's been cleared of all landmarks, or a big building has now been put on top of it, and it's like, or it's all pasture, right? Oh. It's like a, it's like it's farmland. Yeah. Now what do I do? There's, it's like it's tilled like, earth, right? There was a uh, the Gobblegrim book, right? By mm -hmm. the yep. Forgotten Realm, right? Like, and they're like looking around, they can't find 
the entrance to this freaking massive place. Yeah. Even though mm-hmm. they like, I, yeah, yeah. So it's cool. right there. They're right there. They're that close to it, yeah. but they can't actually get into it because they can't yeah. find the entrance. It's like the moon door. Yeah. The moon door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean to keep this all about maps. I know, John, you had a, 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 a several things you want to talk about here. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, yeah, so for me, it's about it's like the the pro- more about the process, right? Whenever I when I'm thinking about designing a dungeon, first of all, the first thing that I think about is like, what purpose does this dungeon serve? Do I even need to? Does this need to be a dungeon? Because if there's if it doesn't do anything to progress the story forward, then I'm gonna find something else, right? Instead of like some creepy crawly place they've got to they have to dig down into or delve into in order to get it right. So that's the first thing. Is like, does it serve a purpose? Good. What purpose does it serve? And if it's saving somebody, if it's uncovering information, whatever the the bait is at the end of the at the terminus point, right? And then the next thing I think about is, well, before I even design kind of like the layout, I think about where like where is it at, and why is it there? Mm-hmm. Because to me that that helps me dis, dis, like the design. Is in, it, it's incumbent upon the design, right? Like if if it is in a swamp, well then that's gonna there's gonna be more watery type stuff that's beneath it. There, it'll affect the kind of creatures that are gonna be in there. What kind of environment is it in, and what's the history of it is really important too. Now again, this is if you really want to do a deep dive, especially whenever I'm when I'm creating stuff that I'm either gonna publish, or um, or, or honestly I'll do it for myself anyway, just as a as a mental exercise. But you know. It's your mileage may vary, but that's essentially the way that I look at it is like, what is the history of it? Was it a temple? Uh, was it a, you know, a, a, an asylum? Was it a prison? Was it, what was it before, right? Or was it just some kooky, eccentric mages, you know, life's work, his magnum opus of, of kookiness, know, right? Whatever that is, right? And so uh, whenever I'm designing things there, I... There's a thing they call it the the five room dungeon. Mm-hmm. Are you guys familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. Kind of for those that are, that are not familiar with it, the five room dungeon uh, contains an entrance and a guardian, a puzzle or a role playing challenge, a red herring, um, a climax, big battle or conflict, and then a plot twist. Right. So that's w- the, those five. And so mine is similar to that. So before I'd even read it. It's, they're similar to that, though, right? Where I'm like, I don't want just a bland, sepia-toned or gray-toned dungeon where it's just like, get in, do the thing, and get out, right? I want there to be some history behind it. So I've made dungeons where uh, it's infused with supernatural you know, energies or spirits, and there are echoes of the past that are there. Whereas when you go through the dungeon, the exposition is unfolding through visions that you have where it's kind of like uh, an image or like a hol- almost like a holographic or a spiritual image of what's, what's happened there before in order to kind of get some exposition about it. And it brings more flavor to the dungeon to where the dungeon then becomes the like a character uh, in and of mm-hmm. itself. And I think that's really important for the dungeon to be a character itself. Okay. Uh, and then you got the four, the four F's or three F's, excuse me. Uh, you got form, function, and uh, and fantasy, right? So, like, what does it look like? Um, how does it function? And what's special about it, right? Hmm. There are, like, a dozen different ways to go about doing it. But these are all just resources that I've utilized. Um, and some of the stuff that I've, like, my own uh, philosophy on, on building dungeons out to where the way that I tackle them personally whenever, um, whenever I'm putting something together 
and it helps me. I don't get into, uh, I don't get bogged down in it. Like, what was I doing with this thing again? Why, this doesn't make sense for this room to be here and to be all the way over there. This is, and then I, I'll have to scrap it and start all over again because I'll obsess over it. But it gives me a good place to start and a good framework and a good set of bones to slap muscle and sinew onto um, over time with it. I'm surprised. Like, like it sounds to me like, and maybe, maybe you you do this also but it sounds to me like maybe you and i use dungeons for two different things mm -hmm. um because i use them to buy time almost exclusively dungeons and 5e are a thing for me to buy time with because okay. when a part when my party goes into a dungeon that's a that's a timer right you could just kind of flip over and you're like all right this dungeon is probably going to take like three sessions all right we can just mm. flip this timer and now i have three sessions to get the the plot ready for the larger thing oh, okay while that goes well well this, where they're playing over here and almost always because of that all of my dungeons are pre-made or at least i start with a pre-made framework because the whole point of the dungeon is for me to not have to create it and to get to spend my creative juices prepping mm. future stuff so i um I'll, I'll show you for people here live on stream but obviously like um tales from the yawning portal I don't know how many of these I've ran, but it's a good chunk of the adventures there because I can just pull them out and play and we're good to go. Um, those are a bit longer. So like if I'm going to do like we did White Plume Mountain and it took like four months, right? I was prepping. They wanted they were in um, uh, uh, Storm King Thunder and they wanted to go to Neverwinter from Tribor. Well, there's nothing prepped in Storm King's Thunder for Neverwinter, but it's meaningful, right? It's this big, awesome city that has a ton of lore built around it. So I wanted Neverwinter to be awesome. I needed time to make it awesome. So what do we do? White Plume Mountain is on the way, right? And if, if they would have bypassed that, I would have had another dungeon-y thing in their path that they could have picked from. And hopefully they would have picked one of them before they got to the place that right. I'm trying to build out. Okay, That's um, really interesting. Well, that's so, the way that you look at it. Go ahead, so, go ahead, Troy. I'm kind of looking, you know, it's funny because I, I do it as a time saver, as mm -hmm. a time waster, and also as a character. And I also just make a, do dungeons as just a point of cool action. Because mm -hmm. um, similarly, running Storm King's Thunder, um, I foolishly gave my group a bag of beans mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. every morning they were planting those beans trying to see what would happen and oddly enough they kept rolling the result of the eggs um so they would make omelets in the morning and, and eat eggs and maybe if they serve if their stomachs didn't blow up they would get a boost to a, an ability score um the last bean they rolled a 99 which is the uh the mummy lord's tomb oh yeah and just like zach the tales from the yarding portal had just dropped and i'm like oh man i need i need a, a a temple or a pyramid or something and yeah the lost <laughs> the lost temple of tomochan i'm yeah, like perfect because <laughs> i'm like this came from chult and so in my head canon, because I, I was planning on running Tomb of Annihilation after as as our next campaign, 
So I'm like, it had to the, the temple, the, the pyramid had to come from somewhere, right? So now mm-hmm. in the middle of Chult somewhere, there's this huge Crater. empty pit where this this pyramid got sucked up and is now has now grown on the side of Silvery Silver Moon uh, Silvery Moon Road because mm-hmm. that's where they planted the damn seed. Um, and I don't remember what what they were traveling to do, but it's like I kind of want to build something train wise, and it ended up being perfect, a little too perfect because it took us six months to get through mm-hmm. the thing, mm-hmm. which was just yeah. ridiculous considering in game time they were only in the thing for three days. For, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and that's why, like I, I say, like Tales from the Unimportional is proceed with caution because it's basically each one of those adventures is a whole campaign in and of itself. Um, so I have resorted of recent years to uh, a different stack and I, I I won't go into any of the content of any of them, but, um, Cobalt Press has some killer content if you're wanting to buy time. Um, oh yeah. The prepared books, uh, are great. There are some great dungeons in those that are just called prepared a dozen adventures for fifth edition. Um, you can get them on Amazon or wherever. Um, they're awesome. Creature Codex by Cobalt Press is uh, Creature Codex Layers specifically is really good for that. Um, I've ran tons of stuff out of this. Just and then um, Eldritch Layers also by Cobalt Press. Uh, I think all the ones that I actually pulled out here by Cobalt Press and Twelve Peculiar Towers by Cobalt Press. Um, like if you have a nice stack like that, kind of sitting off to the side. Um, it doesn't matter what terrain you're in, where you happen to be in your in your party's travels. There's probably a a dungeon, uh, a, an encounter that you can drop in and buy yourself a session or two or four, and then move right along. And they're all contained enough. It's fun. It is. It is really interesting that the way that you, the way that the two of you look at dungeons are almost kind of like it's a, like a necessary evil. Oh, no, 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 am I not wrong? necessarily evil. Not, not, necessarily not necessarily evil. evil. A tool. It's a, Th- they it's, are a it's, tool. It's a godsend a, most of the time, right? Like, but, 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 well, let me make sure that I... I say necessarily evil because it's like I, I only use them because I need them, right? Mm, I mm. need I need a dungeon to help buy me time. Does that sound right? Yeah. That's why yep. the words come from. Right? Well, okay, cool. So what I'm getting I at also though is because them, to, me, sure. to me, and like maybe it's just the way... You can blame Legend of Zelda, really. More than anything else. When I played the crap out of Legend of Zelda as a kid, and so to me, dungeons were the like were like everything. Like getting from point A to point B was just about getting from one dungeon to the next. Now, not that's not to say that I all of my things that I write are always super duper dungeon driven, right? But I I see the importance of the dungeon as a character and as a key as a component of the story itself, right? But again, that goes back to whatever I'm deciding. Does, does I, do I really need a dungeon for this? No, nope, I can serve this somewhere else. If this could be in the city, this could be out in the forest or whatever. Yeah. Okay, cool. Then there's no point in this being a dungeon. But um, yeah, what if when I'm using it, when I use a dungeon or if I create a dungeon, it's definitely not to buy time. It's because I love it. But I, I really sink. I really pour myself into it whenever okay. I'm designing a dungeon because I don't want it to be like everything else that's out there. Right. Um, mm, yeah. I wanted to I, yeah. uh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I love a, I love a good dungeon crawl. Don't get me Same wrong. Same here. It's right? not like that's. It's not that it's like oh I gotta have a dungeon. Um, mm. I in Storm King's Thunder I loved um, 
Duke Zalto's uh, mm. part because mm. I built the end. Oh, right on. Oh, yeah. That's cool. I had the Vonin Dodd that was about uh, 20 inches tall, hanging by chains uh, in pieces. And See? The, the, That's the juice, man. And, and That's it, the juice. I love that. And I didn't think, uh, I wasn't thinking ahead because my, my group plays slow. And I had to haul that damn thing to the game <laughs> store for like five <laughs> sessions. Oh. And it kept having to, it's like, Take a picture at the end of each session. Where was everybody oh, at this time? Yeah. Is that a, yeah. yeah. Oh, it, was, it was. Yeah, but I mean, between between Legend of Zelda and like pretty much all of like like any fantasy eighty movies, there was usually like some kind of a dungeon component. Conan, whenever they go into the yeah. the, the Temple of the Serpent and uh, video games like Final Fantasy, which were just riddled with it. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. they that's like Lord of the Rings. Even something more recent with Lord of the Rings, Moria, reading the books, whenever they go into Moria. That was like my favorite part in the Lord of the Rings was going underground. The dwarves had dug too deep. Bad stuff was in there and started stalking them. And yeah, that was, that was but that's it though. Moria, let's use that's a really good example of Moria was a really important component that people will kind of poke fun at Tolkien for. Like, why the hell would they even go up the mountain? Why would they go through it? If they knew there was a problem, find another path, yada, yada, yada. There were extenuating circumstances, but Moria itself had so much character to it that it wasn't just a slog. Like, the old classic video game, black and white, gray, just get from, like, Gauntlet, right? The old Gauntlet game, which is fun on a video game, but playing that in D&D would be miserable because it's just... 99 well, levels of it's like it's like D- Diablo Mega Dungeon, right? Which Diablo is great as a video game, yeah, but yeah, it's but just it's such a grind, yeah, it would be a grind, and people will get sick of it. Now, that's another thing, too, is like I've learned if, if there's anything that I'm going to pass along to the, to the listeners and the viewers out there as well, is that dungeon fatigue is a real thing, be aware of it. That's why usually, whenever I've got I have a dungeon, I go no more than two sessions with a dungeon. I need to. Ha- I will only have enough dungeon for that, but no more mm. than that. No, no more beyond that, um, because the the characters are going. The players, excuse me, are going to get fatigued by it. It's just the same dressing, the same stuff over and over again. And unless you can make it really compelling and really interesting, um, but that's tough sometimes. It's too, like right? Dungeon of the Mad Mage. I mean, yeah. Oh, each, wow. Yeah. Each level is different, but it's what twenty three levels. Yeah, or I can't imagine like running through the whole levels. thing. I'd be miserable. Miserable, yeah. yeah. At least seventeen, yeah. Yeah, and and yeah. yeah, people people were saying, "Oh yeah, it's fun," but holy crap, it's still a dungeon. Yeah, well, but that goes back to that idea that was once upon a time the entirety of the game, the right? Like, of the so, game, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what we need, right, is like somebody who has ran that and who found it engaging and talk about how to how to keep it. How to keep it engaged? Mm-hmm. How to keep it going for that that amount of time? So, um, so is is the going back to the actual, the actual question? How do we five efi a dungeon? Mm-hmm. An, so, hour I, those, an, an, an hour into the an hour into the podcast, an hour into the podcast, podcast. stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the one who was reluctant to 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 bring this back up. Yeah, let's hear this topic. Um, you're gonna five efi it. To me, five e is is taking the best of the old. And taking some awesome new stuff and going forward with it, right? So, mm-hmm. 
with all the different entertainment sensibilities that are pulled into the hobby right now. I think that if I was going to do a dungeon of my own um, that, that wasn't part of a published module that I'm putting into an adventure storyline for myself, uh, what I would do is I would start at the Terminus. They have the MacGuffin. And I would start the mm -hmm. session in media res. It's like, you've got it. All hell's breaking loose. You have, here's the map that you drew. How are you going to get out? And each one of my players, and, and I, I, I would go through a process where it's like, okay, you're down this many hit points. You've lost this many spell slots. You've used this, this many healing surges. And you only have a couple potions or, or whatever. And, you're, and that's it. Now you have to get out. All all kinds of stuff is going on. At certain points in the in while you're getting out, I'm going to call on you and I'm going to say, John, how did Hal Hal Halvard? Wh why is Halvard so injured? Why does he only have three spell slots left? What did they encounter to get mm. to this thing to do that? And now it is. The group is running out of the dungeon, a la uh, Indiana Jones being chased by the by the big ball. But it's you're telling me what did you do to get there? N and now the evil entity has awoken because you stole the idol, and the evil forces are chasing you out of the dungeon. Mm -hmm. And all kinds of crazy stuff has now been reawakened and re and reset just to do it different. Because mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what the thing. I mean, you know, the the new players that have never played before and things like that, maybe they would enjoy a good old fashioned dungeon crawl. But a lot of them have already played the Diablos and and things like that of the world, so they're looking for that different. It's still a dungeon. You're still going through all the rooms and the corridors and stuff like that. You're just doing it in a different way, mm -hmm. and you're doing it. And, and, and to like your point, it's like I only I only want to use it for two sessions. Okay, you've got two sessions worth of time to get your butts out of the dungeon before mm. the whole thing collapses. So that's probably what I would do to five efi a dungeon. Yeah, I think, I think a timer is good. I think a timer is good, especially well, especially because we're talking five e. A short rest and a long rest is killer. Right, and mm -hmm. you want to be able to manage those resources, or you at least to be able you want to, to restrict them. those. Yeah, yeah, you want to be yep. able to push them. You don't want them to find a hidey hole to to cram themselves into for eight hours and you know rebuff themselves, or even an hour. Right, you want one or resource two. Resource management is a big deal. Yeah, resource management is a huge yeah. deal. Yeah, and to me, um, the timer is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I like, think whatever the, thing... the timer is, right. Yeah, exactly. I think the other thing, like, I, I completely agree with that one. I think the other thing that I would say is, um, as much as I say that it is the the pit stop in the adventure, in the campaign, um, I do think that a way that I've found to kind of bring those adventures into 5e and make them feel like they belong is find some ways to tie that dungeon into one or more characters story um because 
the five E is very much about each character's journey and having that arc and feeling like an arc, right? And so, like with White Plume, I think I've talked about this before, but like White Plume, um, my the sorcerer in my uh, party, it was all about her, the 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 the, the wizard arcanist that that she had been tied to in her backstory he's part of this and he's orchestrating it right um even though it's a pit stop even though for me all it was was i need to make something before they get to never i need to have something in place i i said i need to have a i need to have a way to tie this and so i just took you know a little bit of time and gave some more flavor injected a little bit more flavor into the adventure that would be meaningful for her and her character um and that completely i think turned it from a slog not a slog but like a room by room combat or exploration to this uncovering of additional depth to one's story and, and and to say like what in this next room is going to change something about how i see my character or how my character sees the world Mm -hmm. um so i really like doing that it doesn't happen every time mm -hmm. but I, I like it when it works or even tap into your character's motivations right mm -hmm. like um like uh i'll use my my friday night game with dragons of eternal rhyme one of my characters is a, a gully dwarf and sometimes it's tough to find as something that's as long if he's like wallowing in trash and eating dead rats his character is usually pretty happy Right. So what is it that compels him whenever he's in a dungeon? More uh, Others of his kind, right? Or he, uh, if his character is motivated by having been bullied and picked on because he was perceived a certain way for the longest time, f finding somebody else that's like that, that's in the dungeon, right? If you if, if it's populated, right? If you've got a populated dungeon. Something that just taps into that. that beyond just the walls and the loot and the bad guy, the bad guys that reside within the dungeon there's also something else there that's like that will kind of trigger or engage the play not the player itself not only the player but the care character the player through the character right and the through the character's motivations so yeah I, I think i could see that for sure tapping into those things specifically like the wizard that is all about you know finding new magical spells well plug something else it plugs something in there where you can you can scratch the itch, right? Mm -hmm. Or if the paladin is all about acts of heroism and righteousness and saving people, we'll find somebody for the paladin in there to save. Maybe it's an unsuspecting, a, per a person or a thing that you didn't expect it, like that challenges, not only does it like satisfies the paladin's need to be a, a hero, but also challenges the paladin's perception of who the good guys and the bad guys are, right? Maybe it's a kobold that's, that needs to be saved for whatever reason. Or maybe it was a cobalt that was mean uh, or that tried to kill you. And then whenever it's on the run, it's you know dangling from a pit trap and about to die. What does the paladin do? You add like a, the moral conundrum kind of thing. So, I mean, there's a lot that you can do with it to add more flavor character and then like pull the, the, the uh, players in through their characters. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I, I feel like we, we, we actually, um, milked Did we this topic for some pretty good, I, I, I mean, like if you were here looking for, you know, top 20 tips and tricks, I think we probably didn't do that episode. Um, but I think we managed to find uh, a handful of really, I think different ways of approaching it. 
mm-hmm. and kind of sussing out. And yeah, I, I think I, that I think hopefully so. there's some freedom all over. Um, so I think we're going to call it good here. Um, and obviously we're going to come back to dungeons at some point. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, sure. it's in the name, not in our name, but in the name. In the um, name. The mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. In the name. So, you know, we'll probably come back once we've accumulated more thoughts on, on, on the issue that we think. I think I've actually got like a good, maybe oh, no. a part three. Oh yeah. Or a, a 1.75 kind of thing, maybe, or a two, I don't know. Um, magical items in dungeons, relics, items. How many do you give? How much is too much? Do you make the, the an item the center the center point of? Is it the MacGuffin? How do you do it? Why is it have there? Why done? has anybody else got? Is that a, right? is that an actual episode? Have we done magic items? We've, I think we've talked about magic items before, but I'm not. Talk, I'm thinking. I'm talking more in the context of in, within a dungeon, right? Maybe it's hmm. not an, an entire episode, but definitely something to bring up in the next one. About dungeons, or how about uh, have some of our uh, dear listeners maybe submit some ideas, yeah, um, or questions, or questions about dungeons, yeah, mailbag, and uh, and we can uh, put that in an episode of dungeons if we wanted to talk about dungeons again. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's only the one magic item. That's right. Only the one. Only one magic item in. In 5e. The Cloak of Billowing. Cloak of Billowing. That's all you need. Yeah. The Cloak of Billowing and what was the helm of whatever with the eye, the glowy eyes from that Warduke has. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. That's all you need. Right well, uh, I think with that, we're going to wrap this episode up. If you, uh, for some reason or another, uh, did not get enough from this episode and you're like... Come on. Fellas, I need more of you in my life before next Wednesday. I've got good news for you. There are a few ways that you can get your wish. The first way, you can head on over to the Facebook. And you can uh, follow us there. Um, And uh, between the three of us, we post, I would say, on a semi-regular basis at this point there. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a great way to kind of uh, uh, stay in tune or stay in touch. An even better way to do so, um, it's not every weekend, but about a weekend a month, you can actually play games with one or more of us on a virtual weekend or other sort of uh, convention scene. Um, And... Uh, I know John and Troy are both going to be running um, on the weekend of May 8th. They are going to be running previews of the new Ravenloft content for the virtual yeah. D&D weekend. Um, that is, a, I think, a no-brainer. John's great at Ravenloft, um, and I got to playtest the preview last night. It's great. Um, and... Uh, uh, Troy's also, uh, I, well, I, I can't say that you're great at Ravenloft because I've never played with you yeah, in Ravenloft, yeah, but, yeah. but, but I would say that, but, uh, your, 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 uh, prowess in other settings should carry over. I'm, I'm moderately okay. <laughs> mm, moderately. <laughs> Super mediocre. I am fantastically mediocre. Yes. Uh, one no, of the I, ways that I, you... I'm looking forward to it though. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah, I, I, I was excited I, when they announced this. Especially some of the tweaks that we're going to make to the adventure. I think they're really going to make the adventure pop. Uh, I think mm-hmm. I I have not been this excited about running it at a BDDW 
in a couple of months. Mm. This is a really good mm. one. I really enjoyed the Candle Keep one a lot. That was actually like a the Price of Beauty was a refresher, yeah. honestly. After after spending so much time in the cold, yeah. doing that one was pretty cool. Uh, this one, this is this is a good adventure. So yeah, yeah. I I missed I missed the uh, the horror theme of mm. of the Crystal Strahd season. I loved I loved uh, Death House. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, so good. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I need yeah. to recreate that in, in uh, Roll Twenty so I can. Mm-hmm. No, let's just get a, let's get an STL file for it and then 3D print the whole thing, Troy. I w- I will, but mm-hmm. I can't do, put that on roll twenty. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, Fair that's true. All right, fair so uh, you can, if if you're interested in playing any of their John mm-hmm. and Troy's game, you can head on over to Facebook or and uh, follow us on Facebook, and you can get note. They'll we'll post as we know. I think Troy's schedule is already up there. And we'll post links as soon as we have them. The other way to do that is to follow Baldman Games on Facebook, or um, you can hunt down the Baldman Games community Discord server, um, and they uh, always post there the sign up link as soon as it goes live as well. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of ways that you can be informed. And yeah. Be also, if 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 all that stuff intrigues you, uh, John and I, with another one of our DM cronies, uh, Mitch, DM Mitch will be on a new show that uh, we of the Baldwin Games and Herald's Guild is putting together uh, called Office Hours, where we discuss different topics um, concerning uh, organized play. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first episode of that is tomorrow at oh 9 o'clock Eastern time. Yeah, so mm-hmm. by the time this gets posted... Uh, our our listeners won't be able to to get to it, but those that are watching right. in chat, you still can. That's so right. Take advantage and, of it, and, and then we'll be up on YouTube ongoing. later. Yeah, and to those listening, yeah. it will be up on YouTube, and uh, you know those places that we mentioned to, to go scout out. You'll see the uh, the post for the next one. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, safety tools, the uh, three slash four types of Adventures League campaigns that are currently running, and DM empowerment as it relates to uh, organized play. So, sweet. Should be pretty interesting. Heck yeah. Yeah, uh, players right. are invited, by the way. Yeah, players yeah. are invited because, uh, you know, it's about. It's well, all, I'd it's love player shit. feedback in chat, honestly. So, represent players. Yeah, please do. The DMs are watching. The DMs mm-hmm. will be watching. They better be watching. <laughs> they better be. Uh, do you know when Red. I, we. Don't know yet, do we, when uh, registration opens for the uh, virtual weekend? As soon as we find out, we will post it. And if that means right after the show, we'll post it right yeah, after I the have, show. Yeah, I haven't seen a message from uh, the bald man yet letting us know when it goes live. I would say it would be sometime this week, though. So Probably. keep your eyes open. Yep. 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 But I'll, I'll put my, I'll, I will put my, uh, my registration or my schedule up tonight um, after recording. Perfect. Okay, well, thank you again uh, for tuning in, and until next week, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Have a great game, everybody. See you soon. Stay safe. (laughs) All right, so, Troy, if you are ready with the record button, we will start this thing in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, Uh the podcast... Wrong segment. No.
That's this one. <laughs> no. No, it's not. That's Never mind. Here we are. for Excellent. Oh my gosh. Next time, folks. Okay. Next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Folks, awesome. I have Zach's uh, address. Oh he, my God. Can that please to, go uh, on the cold open? Oh, it's yeah, please, That's the cold open right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I even sat here and was like, this is the one where I do the actual open, right? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, good. Yes, uh, yes, it is. You lied to yourself. That's the way to start every relationship. That's right. Mm-hmm. 